The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Bob Hoffman, author of Advertising for Skeptics, and you are listening to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Hello, and welcome to this hopefully short-lived series that will be airing in addition to the weekly Marketing Book Podcast interviews. I'm your host, Douglas Burdett, and my goal is to reconnect you with past guests on the Marketing Book Podcast, share some ideas and inspiration, and maybe a much-needed laugh or two. I've interviewed over 200 authors on the show, and my plan is to continue this series until I run out of authors or quarantine, whichever comes first. A word of warning... The host and guest may very likely be consuming cocktails during these conversations. If you'd like to join the conversation, go to marketingbookpodcast.com and click on the orange button to record your question or comment, and I may include it in a future episode. I'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat. So Bob Hoffman, welcome to Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. How are you? Thanks. It's great. It's great to be getting a cocktail. I'll tell you that. And talking to you isn't bad, but getting the cocktail is really good. Yeah, you know. Well, I had to make it cocktails, or none of these authors would want to come back for a, a conversation. And hey, I you know I acknowledge that. I understand that. But you know, Bob Hoffman, yeah. I think people may not remember you. May there may be some new listeners who don't know uh, about Bob Hoffman. And Bob Hoffman is the. Uh, and sorry to talk about you like you're in the third person, but you know. I am in the third. <laughs> you are the author of 101 Contrarian Ideas About Advertising, uh, Bad Men. Let's see, the next one was Marketers Are From Mars, Consumers Are From New Jersey. And that was the first book I got to interview you about. And then after that, you wrote Bad Men, How Advertising Went From a Minor Annoyance to a Major Menace. And then it was Laughing at Advertising, so the listener understands Bob Hoffman is in that rarefied air of being a member of the Marketing Book Podcast Three Timers Club, which gets him discounts at any Oakland, California area Taco Bell. But he now has yeah. a fourth book that I'm going hoping to interview him about. He has more books than that, but this new one is Advertising for Skeptics. Bob, I appreciate you uh, sending that to me. We've got to get that scheduled because I want to have you back on for a, a proper interview because this is... Um, well, this is sort of an improper interview, but I just wanted to read one thing, uh, and also so the listener understands, Bob Hoffman and I have met in person. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Michael Gass, and he had an ad agency new business conference a few years ago in Nashville, and Bob was the big keynote speaker, a lot of really good speakers there. It was a great conference, and Michael, in a rare display of poor judgment, named me the master of ceremonies, the MC, yeah. and uh, yeah. other than that, it, would, it went really well. So what I, the reason I'm saying is, is Bob Hoffman and I, we have broken bread together. We have had adult beverages. And <laughs> so anyone else that doesn't know more about Bob, Wall Street Journal has described Bob as he's caustic 
yet truthful. And Time Magazine calls him fabulously irreverent. And the Financial Times says he's responsible for savage critiques of digital hype. And Inc. Magazine said he pulls absolutely uh, no punches. So, Bob, just to get started... Three questions. Yeah. Uh, the first is, yeah. uh, where are you? And you said yeah. you're you're in Oakland, right? I'm in Oakland, California, at home. Yes, uh, you know, sheltering at home. It's uh, it's a whirlwind of fun here, sheltering at home. I'll tell you. Well, our our hearts uh, and prayers go out to uh, Mrs. Hoffman, who's having to spend <laughs> you know a lot of time with you. The amazing thing is we haven't killed each other yet, which is a good sign. Yeah, I think it's hopeful. Well, she'll yeah. win, she'll win the Nobel Peace Prize for that. Uh, but <laughs> the second question is, how are you? Are you are you and your wife? You're doing okay in good health. Yeah, we're doing fine, and uh, we're in good health, and we're uh, you know we're trying to remain sane and. And healthy, and uh, you know, we take our walks every now and then. And our daughter is not far from us, and she and her husband are doing well. So, uh, as far as that's concerned, um, you know, no complaints. Okay. And the third question, which you don't have to answer, is: Are you wearing pants? You know, so many people ask me that, <laughs> and um, I, I, I try to be. But that was, but that was it. before all this pandemic happened. Be honest, Bob, right? Yeah, yeah. Since the pandemic, hardly anyone has asked me. I mean, actually, you're the first one who has asked me that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. What are you going to do? I am. You, you can you can relax again. So it is true that no one calls BS on digital hype and the marketing and advertising world. And just yesterday, I was reading an article in Marketing Week by Mark Ritson. And... Yeah. Uh, he was a professor of marketing in London, but then I just saw on his LinkedIn profile that he's in New Zealand now. So I don't know uh, what's going on there. I happen to know Ritten. He's he, he's a Brit who uh, he was here in the states. I think he taught at MIT for a while. Um, then he went to Australia and taught there. Um, and I, I'm not really sure where he is now, but he's. He's left academia and is focusing on his private sector businesses. Very, very smart. And I don't know if you haven't interviewed him, you really should. He doesn't write books, but he writes a column for Marketing Week every week. That's really, really good. Anyway, go ahead. Really smart. I try to catch uh, whatever I can, and I see him quoted in a number of the books that have been on the show. And uh, this one was... A great article, and I'll link to it in this episode's uh, show notes. You're you're getting your own blog post out of this, Bob. I'm just, you know, <laughs> no, no charge. But he talked about how he's already had it with all of these marketing people who are saying this changes everything. Everything's going to change. <laughs> he was talking about how yeah. he's yeah. heard this throughout history and. Of course, he he quoted you uh, in the in the article. So what, you know, what is it that you're seeing out there that I'm sure you're going to treat us to in the months and years ahead? I hope about how certain companies are uh, getting it right and being kind of flat-footed. Yeah, the, it's a very difficult time to be in the communications business right now because it's hard. You, you know, the the, the typical 
point of view is you advertise during a recession and there's there's been a lot of um, research that shows that those who invest in advertising during recessionary periods come out of it way better off than those who don't. The problem is this isn't just a recession that we're it's not just economics that we're talking about that's a way bigger thing. And I think people have to be very careful about what they say in advertising at this point because it, it's so easy to, to backfire on you. And so, you know, I, I, I'm glad I'm not in the position of having a large account and I need to advise them on advertising right now because I'm not sure what I would tell them to do, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah, I recently had a rotator cuff repair got my arm in a sling and mm-hmm. everything's going quite well mm-hmm. uh, but i have had to sneak into uh, physical therapy and i was there and they had the radio on and mm-hmm. there was a mattress company that was advertising yeah and i just they started to say hey and they acknowledged what's going on and i just i started to cringe thinking oh no where is this going <laughs> but yeah. but all they yeah. did all they did it was like a mattress retailer or something um yeah and but all they did was say uh it was a word of encouragement he just said i'm so and so with this mattress company and then he just tried to cheer folks up and say you know we'll be there just you know we're not there right now but uh you know it was more about the listener and i thought well, okay, yeah. okay, you know, that that's going well, because the other day I heard on the radio yeah. uh, an ad from a local diamond store, and it was not appropriate. It was... <laughs> it was not okay. Well, yeah, they were trying you to know, You know what, I'm, getting, I'm really getting tired of getting emails from CEOs telling me how they're with me during this difficult period. <laughs> Enough of that baloney already, okay? I, I get 20 of them every day, and they're meaningless, and it's just you know it's CEOs pounding their chests, and I don't I don't need that. I really don't. Mm-hmm. Unless they have something important to tell me, you don't have to communicate every minute of every day, people. It's not necessary. When you have something important to say, say it. Otherwise, it's a good time to be quiet. Yeah, like I got one from my insurance company, and uh, they were saying something about it and read the whole thing, but it was like, we're, we're going to go, uh, we're going to be returning some of the premiums, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that was, that was great. Thanks. Yeah, that, that's good to get. I yeah, appreciate I that. that yeah. And then I got yeah. one from Delta yeah. and it said, Hey, you know, that flight you canceled and we can't reimburse you for it. We're going to give you two years yeah. to take that flight. And I'm <laughs> just thinking, oh, well, uh, all right. I, well. You know, I'm really, I'm mad at British Airways. Uh, I had flights, I was supposed to do talks in Stockholm and Helsinki, and the flights were canceled and the the conferences were canceled. Did you cancel the flight or did did British Airways cancel? No, no, British canceled the flight and they won't give me my money back. They'll give me credit. I don't want credit. I want my money back. What the heck? I mean, I didn't cancel the flight. They did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. it, it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking this to the, the, this is going to the Supreme Court. It's okay. not that much money, but it's really pissing me off. I'm, well, I'm taking this all the way up. But aren't yeah. you kind of the Supreme Court of, in certain ways? I mean, by the time it gets to you your know, blog. Yeah. You're right. I am. But, <laughs> <Right>. uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I just wanted if to know if you might be able to 
give listeners an idea of what Advertising for Skeptics is about, even though I haven't uh, done you right by uh, featuring it on a, a full episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. Yeah, a- Advertising for Skeptics takes the point of view that the adverti- that we in the advertising and marketing industry don't know what we think we know. I don't believe we really know what we think we know. And, um, and what it does is it looks at different aspects of what we have taken for granted as knowledge about advertising and marketing and picks it apart. And you know me, I'm a pain in the ass. And w- w- what I like to do is and find don't ever change spots. Bob Hoffman. <laughs> and, you know, I think that we do a lot of pretending. We pretend we know things that we don't really know. And that's what this book is about. And it's it's true uh, from the standpoint of media, social media, a- advertising per se, and, and marketing strategy. And um, so I try to make the case that we should be a little more modest in what we say about what we know and what we don't really know, and that we should, you know, there are certain fields in which experts have a lot of credibility. And there are certain fields in which experts are really just people with opinions. And I'm afraid that in the marketing area, our experts are not really experts. They don't have, you, you know, there are, there are some who I would say, yeah, this guy's, this woman's an expert, but um, very few. Mm-hmm. Mostly it's just people with big mouths and followers and access to, to media that allows them to become famous. But uh, to me, they're experts is questionable mm-hmm. and that's what the book's about so if you uh if you like me are a skeptical person i think you will enjoy the book well and i'm not just skeptical about advertising i you know i was born skeptical someone tells me something the first thing that comes into my mind is oh yeah how do you know that <laughs> well that's not a bad thing to have yeah and uh i mean that's how i go through life how do you know People tell me this and they tell me that, and I want to. How do you know? It's like a, just social distancing. We're we're supposed to keep six feet apart. How do they know six feet? How how why isn't it twelve feet or nine feet? Where did they come up with six feet? How do you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that we should social distance. We should, but when 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 they get that specific, I want to know how they know that. I want to see the facts. Yes, and I think that that skepticism is actually more important now than in the past in in the in the era where you and I were in the ad business and there was much more limited media um yeah. now there's limitless media and I don't know if the in the past the media in the, you know, in the past could could be trusted but it 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 probably was more trusted by people but now there's unlimited media and I think there's still a hangover where People think that well, if it's on the internet or if they were on TV, you know, it, it, uh, they they must be they must be an authority. And I think it's uh, it's now even more important that uh, that people are skeptical of these kinds of things. I agree with you. I, I've seen things that I 
have said where I was speculating about something. I was just talking, you know, I, I wrote a piece or something. I was speculating about it. And then three weeks later, I read about it in some trade publication as if it's a fact. Oh. And I know I was just, it, it, it it's happened to me on a number of occasions. Well, wasn't one of them, well, let's talk a bit about that from your book, yeah. Bad Men. And yeah. the thing that people don't, may not appreciate about you is that all these books and even your talks are backed up by respected research, which probably infuriates the people that you're calling BS on because you seem to layer in just as much research. So it's like, it's very entertaining. You know, you got your whole, you know, you're Bob Hoffman, but then it's like, damn it, where is he getting this? (laughs) This is research. It's almost not fair, Bob, because people want to hate you maybe. But then you back it yeah. all up. So um, in Bad Men, I got to say, we should have done that episode and published it on Halloween because it was a little frightening. <laughs> it was just, it was yeah. freaking me out about the massive amounts of fraud in digital advertising. And was oh, it in, yeah. was it in Bad Men where you, to your point, what, did you uh, say that this Cambridge Analytica thing was about to happen with Facebook or something like that, and then it did happen? Is that yeah, the one you're talking well, about? When I wrote, I wrote Bad Men about six or seven months before the Cambridge Analytica scandal happened. Mm-hmm. And the very first thing I talked about in the introduction to Bad Men was Cambridge Analytica. It's the very first thing that I mentioned in the book. And then six, and nobody, you know, hardly anyone had ever heard about it. Mm-hmm. Six months later, it's one of the most famous companies in the world. And, uh, you know, sometimes you get lucky, but it's it, it, in the new book, in Advertising for Skeptics, I trace, I take something that was baloney and I trace it back to where it comes from. Okay. So Forbes said that and the drum had a quote quote that the millennials have the most spending power of any generation okay they said that a few months ago and i know that's baloney because they have the least spending power of any adult generation but i wanted to know where they got that from and i traced it back and in the book, you'll see how I trace it back and where it came from. And it's a pretty remarkable story. And uh, the, the, uh, the title of the, of the piece is how BS, I didn't say BS, I said the real word. How Which BS. Which you're free to say. And I, should, and I should say, Bob, it's because of you that we actually yeah. had to produce a listener advisory for the Marketing Book Podcast. So <laughs> your restraint today is really admirable. Plus the fact that you're, I'm you're doing my best. You're drinking scotch right now, yeah. and you yeah. said uh, speak. you you switched from vodka. You're on to scotch, so that was one of the good things. And I yeah. actually, yeah. I'm not drinking scotch. I'm drinking bourbon, and you know, ah. I got to get out of my comfort zone. You know, plus I, I need to. Yeah. I, I can't send all the money to Scotland. I needed to support my homeboys <laughs> back in uh, Kentucky, so I'm drinking some bullet bourbon. Yeah. Is it okay if I pour myself now another one right now? Yeah, go ahead. Are you usually a scotch drinker? I love certain types of single malt scotch. I like uh, the bourbon. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, uh-huh. I, I like a lot of them, as as you know. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I'm usually a vodka. For the last 25 years or so, I've been a vodka drinker. Before that, I was a scotch drinker. But 
for the past few weeks, I've gone back to scotch, and I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Good, good. Well, I'd like to hear what the listeners have been drinking. <laughs> Here's how I got back to scotch. I've been watching. I never watch, very rarely do I watch TV or... But since I'm locked up here, I've been watching TV. And I've been watching Downton Abbey, which I love. Yeah, me too. I didn't watch it when it was. But I'm watching them. You know, they're pouring this brown liquid out of crystal decanters. And it looks it looks so good. So I had to go back to Scotch. Yeah. And, you know, are you a uh, San Francisco Giants fan? Yes, I am. Uh, I am. Yes. So you haven't it's, been able to watch uh, that unless maybe I don't even know what – what they're no, showing there's on TV. no baseball there's yeah. no baseball there's you know i i'm 51 percent a giants fan and 49 percent an oakland a's fan because i i live in oakland and i i i feel obligated to support the a's but uh and since they're in opposite leagues i i don't feel bad about having split uh loyalties Right, but there's no base. if there was baseball on tv my life would be so much better during this sheltering period than it is now and you know and i i have friends at the local station that broadcasts the giants games and i sent them in the i said you know what it's it's 2020 now in 2010 the giants won the world series why don't you take the whole year of 2010 and run it on the same days that it ran then in 2020 and call it 2010 again. Because they have nothing to run anyway. They're running, you know, like dog shows and stuff. I don't know what the hell they're running. They have, there's no sports happening. Why don't you do that? And uh, so one guy, the head sales guy, thought it was a great idea, but I haven't heard from them since then. Yeah. So I'm um, assuming they're not going to do it. Yeah, because I'm I can turn on like uh, some different sports channels and I'll see old old games on there, but I haven't really been been watching them. And one thing I have done is turn off the news. I feel so much better when I'm just not watching. I am absolutely with you on that. I ha I have a rule. I have three rules for my uh, for being incarcerated here. Uh, the first is that. No cleaning up allowed until messing up has been completed. The second, no TV before lunch. And the third is no cable news under any circumstances. These are rules for life, Bob Hoffman. These are, these are good rules, yes. Um, and the other good rule for life is social distancing. Who knew how much fun it would be not to have to deal with people? Yeah, I'm, I'm turning social distancing into a lifestyle. It's, uh, it's yes. not just a defense mechanism anymore. It's a lifestyle for me. Yeah, and I, I, it reminds me of when you were the keynote speaker at Michael Gass's conference, and you gave this talk, and you were – it was it was Bob Hoffman. I mean, it's why you you go to places like Helsinki and Stockholm to give talks, and everyone was shaken up. And you were it was you know it was it was Bob Hoffman bringing it home, and and everyone was like, oh man, yeah, I guess I better watch myself. I better I gotta ease up on the BS, you know. And who who better than a bunch of agency people? Because that's what it was, big conference for agency people. And so then you, I think you had to fly back like really early the next morning or that night. And so the next morning, it was another day of activities and I came out on stage and I was saying uh, what needed to be said, which was, everybody, 
Bob Hoffman has left the building. He's left the city. We can all go back to BSing each other because no one's going to call us on it. <laughs> and I got a little like more that. laughter than I should have. There was a real nervous. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. So, yeah, uh, yeah they yeah. thought, okay, all right. So it became a, you know, like, all right, we kind of had to watch ourselves there. But uh, before we go, I was wondering if you could yeah. tell folks a little bit about uh, the book, Marketers are from Mars, consumers are from New Jersey. And sometimes when I give talks, I, I get asked to give talks about, you know, what are some of the key ideas from, um, you know, all the books that have been on the show? And I have included a picture of you and the, the book when I'm making the point where one of the points I like to make is that marketers kind of have an image problem. <laughs> <laughs> and they're yeah. not helping themselves a lot of the time. And I explain why and that why they should be more focused on uh, displaying their connection to revenue at a company and, you know, stop a lot of this nonsense. Well, I'm pretty much required by law to mention Bob Hoffman <laughs> when it comes to marketers. <laughs> you have an image problem. And that's why I show that uh, particular book. And I believe in the talk, what I say is, you know, as Bob Hoffman says, there's no bullshit like brand bullshit. And that's why I wanted to ask you, talk a little bit about that because it's a funny title, always gets a laugh, but there's, like all humor, there's a lot of truth about the disconnect between marketers and the people they're trying to reach. Yeah, I think marketers, as I say in the subhead of the book, in marketing today, delusional thinking isn't just acceptable, it's mandatory. And marketers have lost, I think, have lost touch with consumers and have lost touch with reality. And I think marketers are living in a fantasy land where consumers want to have conversations with them about uh, this and that. Consumers, the, uh, consumers want to be part of their tribes and consumers uh, want to co-create with marketers. It's all baloney. It's nonsense. Who in their right mind want, wants a co-create with a marketer or be part of their tribes it, it, it's a, it, there's a cultural echo chamber of books and articles and conferences in which people like us talk to people like us mm -hmm. and we keep hearing the same baloney and we after a while you start to believe it and if you were talking to normal people the way you talk to other marketers they'd look at you like you're crazy but we do it every day and we take it for granted and you know that's what marketers are from mars is about it's about the gap between what marketers think and how consumers behave that's what that book is about and it goes uh, so nicely with this whole idea that the most successful companies by and large are the ones that are yeah. the most in touch <laughs> with their customers. Yeah, of course. The, 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 and, and in touch doesn't mean sending them 20 annoying emails every day. That's not in touch. That's out of touch. Yeah, it means like understanding them and exactly. the friction in their lives. Right. And, and, and they don't want to be your friend. They don't, they don't really care much about your philosophy. They want a product that they can rely on, that's reasonably priced, that's easy to find, that's, uh, that works well, and that looks nice. And that's what they want from you mainly. And all the other stuff is footnotes, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And if you look at the great companies, they know how to do that. 
They know how to do it well. And, uh, and, and if you look at all the poor companies, they think the amount of communication is more important than the quality of communication. And that's where they go wrong. Yeah, it, there was a book on the show recently, a very new book called The Context Marketing Revolution by Matthew Sweezy. And he has this uh, idea that he explains where at some point in 2009 on the internet, more content started being produced by individuals than by companies. And that was sort of a way of showing that we've gone from this era of limited media back when advertising really worked well, you and I both know it, and yep. now, and, and we, I mean, let's be honest, we had somewhat of a captive audience. We could run an ad on network television yep. and yep. we could start to watch the client's market share move. You know, it was a sort of a share of voice. And he was explaining beautifully in this book about how, we're, no, we're, we're not there anymore. People don't care. Yep. They're, they're, they can avoid you. And people, rather yep. than paying with their wallets now, they're they're paying with their time and attention. We're now in this era of limitless media. And ever since I read that book, it has been like a new lens that I'm looking through where I can look at different companies and see they still think they're in the era of limited media. So mm -hmm. they can just shout at people and think that people are interested. And as I often like to joke, even their moms don't care. <laughs> about what they, they love their Especially kids. Especially their moms. <laughs> well, I mean, they yeah. love their kids and everything, but it's like, that's great, son. You know, my mom, my late mother, you know, she never did stop saying to me, you know, because she, you know, she loved me, she loved her kids, and she was excited and proud of them. But every once in a while, she would say basically a, a very diplomatically phrased question that was along the lines of, now, Tell me again what it is you do. <laughs> yeah. My, so. my mother was the same thing. But but what do you do, she would say to me. <laughs> right. yeah, I, I'm an advertising mom. Yeah, yeah, but what do you do? Yeah. And it was easy when I was a copywriter and a creative director. I could say, well, I make ads. Okay? <laughs> right. Oh, okay, you make ads. I understand that. But then when I became like a CEO, now what do you do? You don't make ads? No, now I... I don't know. I answer the phone and I go to meetings and I I make presentations. That's what you do? Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh Bobby, I'm sorry. I can just hear the disappointment <laughs> in your, in Mrs. Hoffman's yes. voice. <laughs> yeah. It was uh yeah. yeah, so anyway, it's it's like there's so many companies that think that they're yeah, that people are interested in that sort of thing and sometimes I'm talking to clients and they're like, "Yeah, we want to talk about our products and our services." And I'm just thinking Oh man, how am I going to explain to them that we just can't interrupt our way very well into our uh, prospective customers, you know, world? So at any rate, I guess it's a very it's a very hard time to be a CMO. I'm glad I'm I'm glad I'm out of the biz. I'm glad I'm retired and writing because this is a it's a hard time to be in the advertising business. It really is. You have to. It's uh, there are so many tough decisions to be made, so many options, and you never know if you're doing the right thing or not. It's hard. That's part of the advertising for skeptics book too, is probabilities and how you never you're never really sure. It's a very hard time to be a CMO. It is, and I think if I could offer one suggestion, the more they can focus, like we talked about on 
who their most profitable customers are or who that customer is, <laughs> think of yourself as an ethnog- yeah. as an ethnographer mm-hmm. and and yeah. go from there because the, the problem is that so many companies get into this problem of wanting to talk about themselves. <laughs> and as Bob Hoffman will tell you, yep. those customers don't really care about you. They care about their own problems. <laughs> right. So they have they they have their own self interests. That's what's most important to them. Yes, yes. Well, Bob Hoffman, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Uh, cheers to you. And uh, my pleasure. Everyone, please stay safe and healthy, and uh, let's all come out of this uh, together. Here, here.